Jeffrey Dahmer in prison. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about it, You know, there was a... The, the poetry... Oh, his online the broken poetry. He has published three books that you can buy on Amazon three of his poetry. How do, you write, how do you, like, become a published author in prison? <laughs> One of them is called God Seed. Oh. <laughs> I can only wonder what that means. Oh, yes. Should we read some reviews? Of course we should. Okay. Here's a five-star. The first one is a five-star review. Oh, it looks like he overall has like 3.6 out of five stars. Okay. All well, right. So I was thinking. Be open and feel. No. A ge- <laughs> I ain't got it. You're the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do. A genuine collection of poetry from a deeply personal perspective. The poems are short but just enough to absorb the essence within him, within them. (laughs) Whoops. I wish Mr. Christopher Carter, not his name, the (laughs) best, it's Christopher Scarver. (laughs) Cool. The best. She just got the totally wrong book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because he is doing the best with what is around him. His environment growing up, and clearly he's evolving. Never give in. Never give up. You know what? I will say that if there's anything about that review that's probably true is that he's clearly evolving because don't you typically and I could be wrong, but you don't typically go from robbing, robbing convenience stores and murdering your boss or I don't know if it's convenience store, but robbing a store. That's what I saw. Yeah. And murdering your boss to being writing poetry. Yes. And publishing a book. (laughs) Was that wrong to say? No. Did I just put people in a box? You just put them in a prison. Ooh. Oh. Sorry for that. <laughs> now he have- killed Jeffrey Dahmer, so that's cool. We have a three-star review. <laughs> that oh, just no. The title is three stars. <laughs> Straight Three <to> stars. <laughs> and the review is, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I love the, just the lay it out there. I mean... This is probably somebody that was like, we will offer you 10% on Amazon yeah. if you review your last, you review your last yeah. It was okay. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. God. Godseed. So those are some of the reviews from Godseed. You know what I was just thinking about? The It must... I mean, obviously it sucks for the family of the person that this person murdered. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much more like awful it was when they found out he murdered Jeffrey Dahmer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Obviously some wounds were opened up and that's For sure. terrible. Yeah. Because now he's like just he's just as like notorious and people are gonna be like well that was good he wasn't all bad. Yeah. He murdered Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean he killed Jeffrey Dahmer but he, he still killed, killed someone before an innocent person. person. Yeah. And he also killed another person in prison. Yeah. So, I don't know what that guy did. I don't know how great he probably didn't he eat was, people but, but he still... Was he pretty bad to be in the fashion, same prison. Yeah. <laughs> so. Probably fashioned limbs out of tater tots and pretended they were people. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Ketchup. Oh, so today we're doing listener stories. Oh, we're leading right in. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Just straight off of Godseed. 
<laughs> and into the garden I just that grew from the seeds we have planted in the Funeral Stories community. Yes, honey, that was good. <laughs> yes, Queen, you really went there. That was, you, uh, mm, I even followed. <laughs> We're just yes. on tonight. I still have Casey. Well, and it's only one fifteen, so the <laughs> night is young. <laughs> okay. Big time So, yeah. You I go will first. start. All right. Hi. Hi. I, re- <laughs> <laughs> I recently listened to the episode about someone coming out at a funeral oh, for a Robbie. family member. Robbie. Shout out to Robbie Bailey. Hi, Robbie. It was his grandfather, I believe. It was. I couldn't help but think of my own comedic events at a funeral, and I thought I would share it with you. Okay. Granted, I will admit it was 100% not funny to me at the time. Mm. I got married four days before I lost my dad and didn't tell anyone. Okay. So what happens? I show up to the funeral with my husband, allowing people to just believe he's a boyfriend because I really didn't want my grandmother especially to find out that way. Yeah. That's understandable. Mm -hmm. Well, sure enough, one of my aunts comes to talk to me and ask if I'm dating a married man. (laughs) Oh, no. I wonder if he was wearing a ring or something. Probably. Yeah. And of course, I had to tell her, yes, I am, but he's married to me. Mm. (laughs) From Marky. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, I doubt, sorry, see, Marky. When, when we get the short stories, I always want to know more. Yeah. I'm always like, no, okay, so what did they was... say? And, and like, what made her prompt to ask that question? It I'm, had to be the ring, I right? feel like he was either wearing a ring or was, ref- like, said something about my wife, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. There had to be something to make. I mean, he probably forgot to take off his ring. Yeah. I mean, he's a man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and even if she was like, hey, please don't forget to take off your ring. He was hey. probably like, yeah, I'll do it when I get there. Hey, sure. Sounds good. And she just got her first dose into marriage mm-hmm. right off the bat. Yep. Just four days in. Not even honeymoon's over. <laughs> yeah. Just four well, days. We, we hope you guys are happily married. And then also, I mean, loss. her dad, she got married in secret. Was her dad sick? Did she know that he might die soon? So. It was her dad? Yeah, it was her dad's funeral. Oh, shit. So, huh. you know. I, that's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, a lot to unpack. Marky. Marky, I mean, if you ever want to just like, be a guest, you want to answer any of these questions we have, we're, we're open to it. So. Yeah, thank you for sending that But yes, story. thank you for writing to us. We appreciate it. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I like the fact that your mm-hmm. aunt thought you were dating a married man. Yes. And you said, yes. <laughs> yes. He's married to and me. And it's me. And by the way, we've been just Great going delivery. with people. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. We've been going with people's first names at the end. Even when people write their first and last names, we're just we're just going with the last I, with, a, with a first name. I think she's she's telling me that because I don't think I knew that before. <laughs> oh, I thought we had had a discussion about it. Maybe not. Possibly. Very possible. <laughs> so, not gonna say you're wrong. Either. I mean, just for the sake of anonymity and all that. Unless you just, if you write in, you're like, really want y'all to say my last name on the podcast. That's kind of what we're doing. Because yeah, I was just. It's funny because I was just like looking to make sure nobody had their first. I'm pretty last sure I've fixed that for you. Good, because yeah. you know I just read straight through it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna read my story. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Hi, I just wanted to share a funeral story. On December 29th, 2017, my uncle died in a very tragic car accident. He was extremely drunk and high on drugs, going a reported at least 100 miles per hour down the hill. Mm. He slammed into a fire hydrant, which flew to the other side of the road, then threw through Mm -hmm. two trees. (sighs) After the second tree's impact, he was thrown through the window. 
Jeez. I, I know. It's tough. I mean, I'm not even being like funny, sarcastic. That is like one is enough. Yeah. No, none is great. But like all of that. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, I personally went to claim his body and did all of the funeral planning along with my cousin. The mortician actually had to rebuild his face, which, yeah. Yeah. A portion of his head and his entire rib cage. Ow. Jeez. Fuck. For all of this work, plus embalming, a rental casket, a hearse ride, a service, a cremation, he only charged $1,600 somehow. That's pretty cheap. Yeah. There's So for the, okay. For all of this work, plus embalming, a rental casket, a hearse ride, a service, and cremation, mm-hmm. he only charged $1,600. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyway, at the, at the funeral, my aunt, his sister, decided to stand up in front of a church full of people and say the words, I paid for all of this. <laughs> Being that you all know Southern funerals, you can imagine how disrespectful and out of place this was. Hell yeah. Yeah. Call me cold if you'd like, but I can't help but feel that she had to have her foot amputated six months. Wait, I can't help. Let me start that over. Call me cold if you'd like, but I can't help but feel that she had to have her foot amputated six months later due to a flesh-eating bacteria as a punishment sent directly from her brother's spirit. April. <laughs> Shit. Shit. That is savage. You, that was... Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cold. That's cold. I mean... I think we might have a different idea what karma is, but, <laughs> yeah. but that's cold. But dang, that's... Yeah. Mm. I'd have just been like, shut up. Yeah. I'd have said, yeah, all $1,600. <laughs> cool. We can... Why didn't you start to go fund me? Yeah. It's a lot of people's funeral plans. Yeah. I'm sorry for your loss, though. That is yeah. That's, that's a brutal... Yeah, brutal way to go. Yeah, terrible. Man. I wonder how old he was. But also drinking and, I mean, driving, I'm glad no one else was hurt. Sorry, I'm drinking out of my Capri Sun. Forgot that that is like the loudest drink. Um, yeah, no, I'm it's just a pouch of metal. Exactly, so. exactly. Um, no, seriously. So glad no one else was hurt. And this is why. Yeah. We shouldn't drink and drive. Do not drink and drive, guys. Like, don't. Do and it. wear sunscreen. They- and a seatbelt. Yes. <laughs> Jeez. So hmm. that's, that's our That's our preaching. <laughs> For today's episode of Funeral Stories. One soapbox <laughs> per episode. Yes. All right. So, my turn. Yeah. Casey and Laura. Hey, girls. So, I remember this funeral story from last fall, and it's not that bad, but it's still the cringiest funeral story I've had so far. So, I went to the wake of my boss's mother this last fall. First off, the funeral home was dingy. There were spider webs on all the lights oh, no. in the corners and in the fake flowers in the corners. Ooh. Secondly, the lights were so dark, darkly colored, they were almost a yellowish, yellowish orange. Yuck. Ew, yeah. So we are waiting in line to say our condolences when we finally get to the casket. My father is saying how nice she looks, but as a future funeral director and just getting done with an internship at a funeral home, I told him she looked bad. (laughs) The makeup on her face was super cakey. She almost looked like the orange Oompa Loompas from Willy Wonka. Mm. Her eyes were sunken in like the funeral director didn't put eye caps in. Mm. And her hands were so bony. She died of old age, so there were ultimately no other problems he should have had. The lighting was off, and that wake was the cringiest wake I've ever been to because it was the sketchiest funeral home I've ever seen. Best regards, Bridget. Mm. Hold on. See, the, these are the things I don't know about. Like, I don't think about eye caps. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, your eyeballs aren't hanging, like... Uh, yeah, I guess... Like, especially if you're an organ donor. Yeah. 
So you got to have something to like make the protrusion look yeah. normal so that you, ugh. Yeah, because I guess like if they've sunken in, it would just be like flat. Ugh. You know, I'm really, really like, I just had this, I like, I guess epiphany or not epiphany, but this just like realization that I'm not going to be able to do my makeup for my funeral. No. And like, I don't think anyone's going to be able to do it like, like me. Right. I mean, I'm sure someone will. Yeah. But I just. Have one of your drag queens do it. Yeah, but even I don't know. I gotta. I need to write down in my thing like exactly what I do. I need to tell Kenny. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I won't be able to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would never. No offense. <laughs> I didn't mean that to be like ew, ew. I would <laughs> never ask you to do my makeup in like a million trillion years. Do you think I'm dumb? My God, <laughs> no. But I have a many, many years to go, and I'm sure my makeup will change. Yeah, as time goes on. I mean, or I, could I won't ap- care. I could apply the fuck out of your eyeliner because child of the '90s. Yeah, I can. I can do some eyeliner, yeah. but the buck stops yeah. there. Buck stops there. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to read my next one. Okay, correct. Yes. Okay. Hello, ladies. Your podcast is so great. Thank you. <laughs> Listening, you guys, makes me feel like I'm sitting at my dining room table with a beer in hand, clink, listening to friends talk about death. It really makes me feel less like a weirdo since I don't have anyone else to talk to about all this that fascinates me. Girl, we have found your people. You have found your people. Thank you for listening and cheers. (laughs) (laughs) Clink, clink. Death fascinates me because I've been around it and dealt with it so much growing up. My most vivid, vivid memory was as a child, three years old to be exact. It was my paternal great-grandmother's funeral. I remember every detail of it down to the corner of corner and intersection of where the church was, even though I cannot recall the street names. I am such an empath that I absorb everything around me during funerals, even if I don't want to. I know that feeling. I've grown up in a family where my paternal side has been exposed to violence through gang affiliation and careless choices involving drugs. My mother's side is filled with sad and impactful deaths, but far and few between. The funeral story I wanted to share is of my paternal grandmother's funeral. My Nana and I were not very close. She hated my mom and wasn't too happy that my dad married her. Needless to say, she distanced herself from me because of that. When she passed, I was sad, but more sad because she left with a lot unsaid. This whole day was filled with every emotion possible. As I walked to my Nana's casket at the viewing, I was amazed at the fact that she looked better in death than she had ever she had in a really long time. This just made me angry because she looked so happy and rested. I've never experienced her with such peace and it left me unsettled with a lot of questions unanswered. As they were wheeling her out of the chapel to the, to the hearse using a church truck, by the way, thanks Cam for teaching me that. <laughs> Shout out to Cam. Cam. <laughs> the corner of her casket hit the doorway and jostled a little bit. Oh, jostled it a bit. Oh God. Is it sad? I kind of giggled. When we got to the cemetery, my dad and his two remaining brothers, along with some of my cousins, carried her casket. One of my uncles accidentally stepped into one of the ground urns and almost dropped my nana. Again, giggled a little. They were followed by a mariachi band. It was unusually hot for an early January day, but then again, it is California. The reason I mention the heat is because if you've seen someone dressed in a full (laughs) charro, I think I said that right. Charo suit. I mean, she has a pronunciation, so I think so. Yeah. Charo suit. You know how hot that would be. This poor little mariachi man, who was about 5'2", maybe 199 pounds, 
comes waddling up the little hill playing his trumpet, and what do you know? He steps right into that urn and falls over. Oh, God. <laughs> hat flying off, hat flying off, and trumpet flinging at the back of the bass player's neck. <laughs> I kind of went into shock. For one, mariachi music can get you in the feels, but two, I wanted to laugh so hard because these things would happen at my family's events. <laughs> if it wasn't enough, it gets better. Okay, it gets better. My uncle had a great idea that we would release doves at her graveside service. Oh, God. This wouldn't be a big deal to normal people. However, I'm afraid of birds. Mm. Oh, no. They creep me the fuck out. Oh, no. (laughs) My aunt lined up all the grandkids because we were supposed to hold these doves then release them when the priest ended the prayer. (gasps) I was very reluctant. I didn't want to touch the dove. I was trembling as my aunt showed showed this white-coated pigeon resembling a dove in my hands. It really was a dove, but in my head it was a pigeon. (laughs) Uh, they dove flew out of my hands and plopped on the floor (laughs) and I let out a nervous laugh everyone turned and looked at me because I guess the priest was saying something sorrowful my husband boyfriend at the time picked it up and held it in my hands with me I started bawling as if I was really close to her and heartbroken but in reality was freaking out at this bird in my hands (laughs) my dad came over to put my dad came over to me and put his arm around me trying to console me which made me cry more because he was crying Finally, when we were able to let the doves go, I let mine go and screamed because it was squirming in my hands, and I ran behind my mom. (laughs) What 22-year-old does that? LOL, my Nana got her revenge, I guess, and was still able to get get me even after death. But wait, there is more. But wait, there's more. As the family was walking by to drop dirt and flowers into the ground after they lowered her in, my Nana's brother almost fell in. Oh, shit. Thank goodness two of my bigger cousins were right behind him and able to catch him. (laughs) Then to end it all, my great-grandma, who was still alive at the time at a ripe and witty 94 years young, points at her son and says, "Uh uh-oh, you were almost next. It would have been a (laughs) two-for-one. And that was one of my funeral stories. I have plenty more. If it exists, I had had that kind of death or funeral in my life. I had that. I have plenty more. If it exists, I had that kind of death or funeral in my life. Mm. I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, That's okay. Best regards for a friend and always a lifelong listener. Aw, Lorraine. Lorraine. Aspiring end-of-life doula, aspiring child grief therapist, aspiring funeral historian. P.S. I have enclosed what a typical mariachi band member would wear (laughs) and remind you that it was a 90 90 degrees that day. Oh, man. Yeah. This is... I like her uh, aspiring end-of-life doula, aspiring aspiring grief... That's great. Child grief therapist and aspiring funeral historian. That's really cool. We should have yeah. you on for more. No kidding. Like that's, I mean, that story funny was great. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, I would, I would love to hear more again. about what got you into all of yeah. that for sure. Yeah. Hit us up. We always want to know. We'll come to California. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Why not? <laughs> Contr- everyone contribute to our Patreon. Maybe we'll go to California. <laughs> oh, goodness. oh, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Okay, so, hi girls, I discovered your podcast about a month ago and have been binging episodes on my daily commute ever since. (laughs) Thought I would send in a quick story for your enjoyment. I spent the first 10 or so years of my life going to many, many funerals as the great-grandparent generation died out. (laughs) I remember a lot of funeral sandwiches and a lot of old ladies in dark colored dresses, but that's about it. I hardly even remember much about my own father's funeral when I was six, but I do remember this one vividly. We had just attended the funeral for a relative who had passed from cancer in her early 30s and were on our way to the graveside service. The cemetery was the definition of rural. Oh, my God. I hear you, girl. Mm-hmm. And was pretty much just a big pasture with some headstones in it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
It was the height of summer, and I was probably four or five at the time wearing a little blue dress, my favorite kitty barrettes, and white tights. We parked the car on the side of the gravel road and started following the rest of the family across the lawn, me holding tightly to my mom's and my aunt's hands. The grass was tall and prickly and filled with giant grasshoppers jumping crazily all over like little kamikazes. About halfway to the gravesite, I felt it. A grasshopper had jumped up my dress, all caps. I stopped dead and started squirming, then jumping up and down, but nothing was helping. Somehow the little bastard crawled inside my tights and started freaking out in there. So, of course, I started freaking out, too. (laughs) That's worse than ants in your pants because that's like a giant grasshopper. Grasshoppers are so disgusting. They're like, yeah, they're huge. Like those big black ones with the yellow. Oh, gross. Oh, man. So there is my mom in the middle of a cemetery with a toddler screaming bloody murder and a mass of shocked relatives staring at us. Once she finally figured out what the heck was wrong with me, she grabbed me up and hauled me back to the car. My aunt running behind. She threw open the back door of the car, dumped me on the seat, and ripped off my tights. Oh, <laughs> good. She started shaking them out violently, all of us screaming at this point as the damn thing fell out. <laughs> she picked me up and walked calmly back across the grass to <laughs> the tent. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to see here, folks. Nope, Nothing. <laughs> nothing (laughs) she picked me up and walked calmly back across the grass of the tent to join everyone else acting like nothing had happened i don't think she said anything to anyone except my grandma when grandma gave gave her a questioning look my mom just leaned over and whispered suicidal grasshopper (laughs) i'd be like what okay love you ladies keep up the awesome content oh thank you oh thanks she didn't sign up yeah so darn yay just let us know let us know yeah oh well thank you yeah you're awesome so now are you um you want to do the yeah other one yeah so next we have a funeral story from lindley keep um she emailed us and said below is a link where i told our funeral story live in austin in a nutshell my ex died very unexpectedly and my 12 year old son on the spectrum Almost got into a fist fight with a kid at his dad's funeral. It's a very funny, very sad story. Um, Then she includes the link and she says, thank you for considering me and our little story. And she said, I'd kill, question mark, die to be on your podcast with a smiley face. Um, She, we found out a little bit more about her afterwards. And she told us that, uh, sorry, she, her bio. Okay. Lindley Keep is a nonfiction writer, filmmaker, and storyteller. Her writing has appeared in The Rumpus, Esme, and The Southeast Review. Her films have been shown on PBS, A&E, and the BBC. Wow. The ex-wife of a dead guy. (laughs) She talks about grief more than most people are comfortable with. She is working on a memoir about addiction, grief, and a heart so broken it required surgery, which is a nice way of saying there is more where that came from. Lindley and her son live in Austin, Texas. Her sporadically updated blog can be found at buttofcorpse.com <laughs> she also has an instagram account called running through the graveyard where she takes pictures of headstones while she runs through cere- ceremonies and so then she includes some cemeteries pictu- what i say ceremonies yep is that what it is she runs through cemeteries <laughs> yep. okay i was just reading ahead okay <laughs> she also has an instagram account called running through the graveyard where she takes pictures of headstones while she runs through 
cemeteries. cemeteries. Okay, that makes more sense. Yes. Yeah, she goes to ceremonies and just runs like, free. Um, and then she included some pictures from uh, the funeral on that day and then a picture of her and her son today. Oh, okay. So we'll post those on the blog. Um, and it was, the this recording was for an event called Testify. And yeah, so it's testifyatx.com. So feel free to check that out, and then we'll play the funeral story. And Lindley, we would love to have you on. Yes. Here we go. So I'm sitting on the patio of the restaurant with about nine of my mom friends. And over in the playground, a bunch of our kids are all playing. And out of the corner of my eye, I see my 12-year-old son, Dash. And he's coming towards me, and he looks pissed. And he, come, he gets close, and I was like, honey, what's wrong? Are you okay? And he goes, oh, me? Oh, I'm okay. No, fantastic. Everything's just great. Daniel's here. And I'm like, oh, God, who's Daniel? <laughs> my son, um, it's, it is of note here that my son is on the spectrum. Now, I see that life exists on a giant spectrum, but he's on the spectrum that they talk about on the news. So it's not uncommon for my son to have these kinds of interactions with other children that may not go very well. And it's also not uncommon that these children are completely unaware that this has happened. <laughs> And I, usually I want to get to the bottom of it. Usually I'm trying, you know, what's the problem? What happened? But this day I was just tired. And Dash was tired. And I was done. And I just said, buddy, he's here to be supportive. And if you can't be nice to him, then just stay away from him. And he mocked off muttering, I hate Daniel. Like, whatever. Go hate Daniel. <laughs> and our friends had come there to be very supportive because... Five days previous to that day, I'd gotten a phone call that my ex-husband and my son's father was found dead in his house. This was not a huge surprise. Um, I'd known that something was up with him. When you're with someone for 20 years, we'd only been apart for three, but when you're with someone for 20 years, you just kind of know when something's off. And I'd actually mentioned to a friend the day before, I said, I haven't heard from, we haven't heard from Josh in a couple of days, and I said, you know, that's the fucked up thing about being with an alcoholic. You don't ever know if it's your intuition telling you and showing you that there's something wrong, or if it's just that you're so used to everything being so fucked up all the time. So when I got the call, I was at home, it was early on a Saturday morning, and I'd been texting with a friend. We were going to get our kids together. And my previous text to him had been, hey, come on over. I'll make pancakes. And the next text was, can't do pancakes. Josh is dead. Feel fine. Probably shouldn't be alone. And my friend is a writer. And he wrote back the most succinct text. He just wrote, fuck. I'll be right over. And it was then that I also realized that once my friend walked in the door, it was going to be dead dad full on. And I had to tell my son. And I stood in my bedroom staring at the wall for about five seconds thinking, okay, what is the perfect way to tell my son? And about two seconds into that staring match, I realized there was absolutely no perfect way to tell my son. 
So seven minutes after I received the initial phone call telling me that Josh was dead, I called my son into the living room. And I sat him down and I said, I have terrible news. And I don't know how to tell you this. Honey, your dad died. And I'm so sorry. And he looked at me. And he goes, that's too bad. He was a really nice guy. And I was like, yeah, he was a nice guy. And my son goes, okay, well, I'm going to go in my room and play some games if that's okay. And I was like, yeah, you do that. And as he walked away, I literally thought to myself, well, that went well. <laughs> and I found myself thinking, maybe they weren't as close as I thought they were. <laughs> Clearly, I was mistaken. So the coming days were filled with uh, chores for me, like cleaning out my ex-husband's apartment, throwing the bottles away, getting his clothes together. His family uh, had not come from London to help, so I was on my own with everything from taking care of the, that minutia to uh, dealing with my son and planning a memorial. So as I said, we had been together relatively recently. There were three years before that day, we'd been a family. And one of the things that we liked to do on Saturday mornings is we would go down to Auditorium Shores, and my husband, and my then husband and my son would run up and down Doug Psalm Hill, and my Josh always let him win. So I figured that was a good place to have a memorial for him. So I, told, I called our friends and said, don't dress up, bring a balloon, don't bring any flowers, we'll see you Saturday at 10. And Dash had really kept it pretty much together up until the day of the memorial. And that morning, he decided that this was completely unacceptable, that he was not going to participate, that this was unfair and it was awful and he was done. This is the one thing he had to do. And I'm usually, I'm a very optimistic person. So listening to my son charge around the house in his underwear, telling me how much everything sucked and everything was awful and this sucks. And I am reflexively optimistic. I mean, you say death camp and I say glitter puppy. It's just the way that I'm wired. But this day, I could not, number one, I couldn't lie to my son because I just couldn't lie to him anymore. And number two, I didn't have the fucking energy. So I sat him down and I said, look, this is the worst day of your life. Your dad died and it's awful and it's completely unfair. And you know how some days you wake up and you think, oh, the day feels like it's bad, but then something happens and everything gets better? That is not going to happen today. And I'm going to be with you and we're gonna go through this together, and at the end of the day, the worst day of your life will be over, and that's the best that I've got. And that got him moving. And he walked over to the ironing board where I'd just finished ironing his shirt. And as I watched him put on his shirt and button the buttons, I thought, you are putting on your shirt to go to your father's funeral. You're 12. And when I 
made him go brush his teeth. I stood in the bathroom door watching him, supervising the teeth brushing. And I thought, you're brushing your teeth for your dad's memorial, and you're 12. We made it to auditorium shores, and at the top of the hill, it was this bright blue sky, and you could see all these beautiful balloons that our friends had brought. And it's August, and it's 870 degrees outside. And we're on a hill, so we're closer to the sun, which is making it better. And I, so I'm standing at the top of the hill, and friends have come, and I'm, and I'm talking to everyone, and I realize quickly that Dash isn't around me. And I turn and look behind me, and he's sitting completely by himself on this stone bench. And he's got his back to the sun, and he's got one leg crossed over the other, and he's wearing his dad's New York Rangers baseball cap that he'd had for 15 years. And he had the hat on his head, but he hadn't adjusted it from his dad's head size. So when, he, when his head went down, the hat fell forward. And he just cried. After that, I knew that I had to get the show on the road quickly because I couldn't bear to look at that any longer. And I'd asked Dash and the, what he wanted to do. And I started the memorial by saying, I asked Dashiell if he wanted to say anything or contribute anything to this. And Dash wanted me to tell you that his dad was an awesome dad and that he loves his dad and that this sucks. And I finished the eulogy that I'd written with a couple of lines from Moby Dick, his favorite book. And then it came time for the balloons. So we're standing in the middle of this circle of all of these friends and all of this love, and we have our balloons. And I lean down to Dash and I say, okay, I said, honey, we have to let go. And everyone's looking to us, no one's letting their balloons go. I'm like, we're the cue, we have to do this. I'm gonna count to three and we're gonna let go. One two, three, and we collapsed onto each other sobbing. And I could feel his small arms around me and I could feel his chest shaking against me with his sobs. And I was holding him saying how sorry I was and how bad that I felt that this had happened to him. And all of a sudden I feel this little hand on my elbow, and I look down, and it's Daniel. And I'm like, holy shit. My son is about to beat the crap out of a child at his father's memorial in a circle of everyone that we know and love. And as I look down at Daniel, trying to figure out how I'm going to protect him from the blows that I know are about to be rained down upon him by my son, Daniel looks up at me and says, don't worry, I'll get you through this. <laughs> and a friend had said before the memorial, she had said, you really should get someone to take pictures. And I thought, whatever, get someone to take pictures. And it ended up being some of my most treasured memories. So there's a set of photographs where you see Dash and I hugging and sobbing. 
and you see, moving into frame, Daniel. Then you see Daniel's mother moving into frame. And then you see me step back, and then you see Dashiell hug Daniel. After a while, about, it's been about an hour, I guess. It's now 987 degrees. <laughs> and the kids have noticed that there is a splash pad down at the bottom where the water shoots out of the cement and you run and cool off when you're about to explode. And slowly I see that the kids are peeling off. I see a sock go here and a shirt go here and maybe a nice little dress is getting ruined and nobody cares. And the kids are playing, as kids do. And Dash finally comes up to me and says, Mom, can, can, I, can I go play? And I was like, yeah, why not? Sure. And I thought maybe the worst day of his life wasn't as long as I thought. And I watched him as he ran down the hill. And I thought, you are ripping off your shirt to go jump in a splash pad at your father's memorial. You are 12. Thank you. Wow, that was, that was so good. That was awesome. That was, when we, when we do edit this episode, we'll put the, her recording in. Yeah. So you don't get to hear our um, reaction. Yeah. But Laura and I were both like, wow, listening attentively. Yes, it was. Um, that's <laughs> such an amazing story. Yeah, it was also nine hundred eighty-seven degrees. <laughs> yes, Lindley, that's awesome. And um, I guess the pictures, like I said, we'll post. We'll post them. And yeah, then, you know, they are really good. So the line, uh, the end of this day. At the end of this day, the worst day of your life will be over. I love that. We both were like, <sighs> like wow. Oh, fuck, man. Well, I mean, there's... Yeah. The, the, you know how she talked about this? She was just like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, he listened. He's like, okay. I feel like that is maybe something he said yeah. for it, for being honest. Yeah. Just like you don't even have the energy to lie anymore or to pretend. Like or, there's no way to put a positive spin on this. Yeah. But this seriously, like reaching deep down, that is the most positive spin mm -hmm. yeah it really is i find myself when shit is like that i just try to tell myself it is all this is temporary yeah just this i won't feel this way forever and yeah yeah it won't always be this bad yeah there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's like... Today is a one. Yeah, today <laughs> is... If it's a one, it's a one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the worst day you're going to have. Look, this is the picture of the them at the funeral. Oh, wow. Yeah, this, this, oh. That's so sad. And then that's them today. Oh. Very good looking family. Yes. I must say. That was awesome. Yeah, Thank was you really so great. much for sending that Thank in. Thank you. I just and keep it, using the word awesome, but I have nothing else to pull from. Well, it, it was just so good. It was great because we are we just happened to be recording this weekend, and yeah. we both noticed we got a new submission last night. Yeah. And it was, it was perfect. So we really have not listened to it until now. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. This was our first listen. And thank you very, very much. And we would love to have you on, Lindley. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, we that really so appreciate great. it. 
But so. this is the last episode of recording of the cluster. Yes. So not ever. No. <laughs> Until February. Yeah. Just yeah. The, just this cluster. So maybe we'll record before. We never know. Yeah. But we just have to sync our calendars yeah. and see what makes sense for sure. Yeah. So we hope that you guys have enjoyed these. We don't know which order we're going to re- release these in, but we thought full disclosure. Yeah. We're wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. Going to get a full four hours of sleep. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe, maybe five or six. Yeah, <laughs> probably a good six. I'm not yeah. waking up before eight. Yeah, not my. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, I guess to wrap things up, uh, find positivity where you can because it all ends in a funeral. Bye. Funeral stories is produced by Seth and Molino, and music is by John Pope. Check out our website and blog by going to www.funeralstories.com. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Funeral Stories and on Instagram at Funeral underscore Stories. Donate to our cause on Patreon to unlock subscriber rewards. And please don't forget to send your funeral stories to funeralstoriespodcast at gmail.com or hello at funeralstories.com. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes and listen on your preferred podcasting service. Thanks, guys. Bye.